0: Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Monday, January 8th. Today we're diving into nature's hidden treasures as new algae species are rewriting scientists' understanding of reef systems. And we're looking at how data sonification is improving earth science communication and accessibility. Plus, we'll take you to the grand opening of Asia's largest natural science museum in northern China's Hebei and share the story of a woman who spent her Christmas in search of a rare plant. All this coverage and more up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Science Station. Please enjoy today's selection of Science News. In an exciting development in marine science, a team of international researchers has discovered four new species of algae in the Great Barrier Reef, and unique reef systems of the Coral Sea and Lord Howe Island. Charlotte, can you tell us more about this discovery and its implications?
1: Absolutely, Diego. This discovery is quite significant. The team, led by Associate Professor Guillermo Diaz Pulido from Griffith's Coastal and Marine Research Center, found these new species of algae within the Porolithon genus. These algae play a crucial role in cementing the delicate frameworks of coral reefs sustaining marine biodiversity in tropical and subtropical waters.
0: So, what makes these newly discovered species unique?
1: Well, each of the four new species has unique characteristics. For instance, Porolithon lobulatum has branched forms and lobed free margins and is found in the coral sea and the Great Barrier Reef. Porolithon parvulum is characterized by short, unbranched protuberances and is found in the central and southern Great Barrier Reef. Porolithon panaculum exhibits a mountain-like columnar morphology and is found on oceanic coral sea reefs. Lastly, Porolithon hoensis forms columnar protuberances and is predominantly found at Lord Howe Island.
0: And what does this discovery mean for our understanding of the Great Barrier Reef and its ecosystem?
1: This discovery challenges previous taxonomical assumptions and gives us a greater understanding of the ecological role of these algae in the coral reef ecosystem. It also emphasizes the need for further exploration and conservation of the Great Barrier Reef and its unique inhabitants. Poralithon species are very sensitive to the impacts of ocean acidification and warming, so recognizing and documenting this diversity is crucial given the potential risks of losing this diversity to climate change.
0: A fascinating discovery indeed, and a stark reminder of the urgency to protect these unique ecosystems. Now let's dive into another fascinating field of science communication, data sonification. This technique uses non-speech audio to convey complex data patterns, potentially revealing unrecognized patterns in large datasets. Charlotte, can you explain more about how this works?
1: Certainly, Diego. Data sonification is a method of translating data into sound. This can be particularly useful for interpreting multi-dimensional earth and environmental data streams. It's a way of overcoming visual and language barriers in science communication. For example, it can make complex data more accessible to those with visual impairments or those who might struggle with traditional data visualization techniques.
0: That's fascinating. So how exactly does this process work? How do scientists convert data into sound?
1: Well, there are various ways to do it. But the basic idea is to map data points to sound parameters. For instance, The pitch of a note could represent the value of a data point, with higher pitches indicating higher values. The rhythm or tempo of the sound could represent the rate of change in the data. This way, patterns in the data can be heard rather than just seen.
0: It's like turning data into a symphony. What are some of the applications of data sonification?
1: There are many potential applications. For instance, in astronomy, sonification can be used to listen to the stars or to represent the movement of celestial bodies. In earth sciences, it can be used to represent geological phenomena like volcanic eruptions or plate tectonics. It can even be used to represent climate change data. The possibilities are vast.
0: It's an intriguing approach to making complex data more accessible and understandable. Now, shifting our focus to the Paleozoological Museum of China, the largest natural science museum in Asia, which has recently opened its doors to the public in Baoding, North China's Hebei Province. Charlotte, can you tell us more about this grand opening?
1: Absolutely, Diego. The museum is quite impressive, covering approximately 120 mu, or 80,000 square meters, with a total construction area of around 73,000 square meters. It's a national level theme museum in the field of natural sciences.
0: And what can visitors expect to see in this museum?
1: The museum is themed around nature, life, and humanity with evolution as its main storyline. It provides a systematic presentation on paleontology and evolutionary biology, narrating the stories of natural history. The museum aims to convey the natural concept that humans and nature are a community of life. It's a place where visitors can learn about the interconnectedness of all life forms and our shared history.
0: That sounds like an enriching experience. Now, in the spirit of the holiday season, let's talk about a unique Christmas tradition. Rosemary Parslow, a natural history lover, spends her Christmases on the Silly Islands in search of a tiny endangered fern. Charlotte, can you tell us more about this fascinating woman and her unusual holiday tradition?
1: Absolutely, Diego. Rosemary Parslow has dedicated her life to mapping rare and precious flora found almost nowhere else in Britain. Every Christmas, she embarks on a quest to find the least adder's tongue fern, a rare plant that blooms in the middle of winter. This tradition, while bewildering to her three children, has become a significant part of her holiday celebrations.
0: That's quite a unique way to celebrate the holidays. Can you tell us more about this rare fern she's searching for?
1: Certainly. The least adder's tongue fern, or Ophioglossum lucitanicum, is a little-known plant that grows to only two centimeters tall and has leaves the size of a human fingernail. It gets its name from the snake-tongue-like central spike. Rosemary has discovered dozens of these rare ferns growing on a small patch of heathland on the Scilly Islands.
0: Rosemary's dedication to her work is truly inspiring, but it hasn't been without its challenges, has it?
1: No, it hasn't. In her quest to find another rare plant, She almost drowned after falling overboard from a rubber dingy. She also had to resign from her job at the Natural History Museum when she started a family, as was the norm in the 1950s. Despite these setbacks, she has continued her work, illustrating natural history books, writing about the natural history of the archipelago, and working for conservation bodies.
0: Her work seems to be more important now than ever, with climate change impacting the flora she loves so much.
1: Indeed. She's witnessing firsthand the impacts of climate change, with many of the plants she's been recording vanishing. She's also seen new species, like the crystal jellies and salps, appearing due to the warming seas. Despite these changes, Rosemary remains dedicated to her work and is determined to share her knowledge with a new generation of conservationists.
0: A remarkable woman indeed. Now, as we wrap up our stories for today, we want to thank you for listening to Current Radio, and we look forward to bringing you more stories tomorrow.